Hello and welcome to the All Round Sports Podcast, the podcast that normally talks about all round sports news. Although today we've got a very special episode which is looking at one sport and one sport only, in fact, one event only, and that is the World Cup. We've just witnessed Argentina lifting the trophy, beating France on penalties, and today we'll be looking back at the tournament as a whole and what a tournament it's been. So, before we look back uh, on the whole tournament, let's just focus our attention onto the final. And what a final it has been. It's a very late drama. And, um, you know, we all thought that Argentina were going to hold out with, a, with their 2-0 lead. And then, out of nowhere, France just came up and uh, magicked two goals. And Mbappe, I mean, what a great game he has had. Fantastic. I mean, I think we were starting to sort of switch off at 2-0 to Argentina. It looked like it was done and dusted and they were uh, had one hand on the trophy. But yeah, and Mbappe um, and a couple of first-half substitutions as well from Didier Deschamps really changed that game and the complexion thereof. And uh, yeah, all the way through, nail-biting into extra time as well. When Lionel Messi scored that, uh, that goal to make it 3-2, I think we all thought it was done and dusted then as well, didn't we? Definitely, that was uh, you know I thought that was going to be the tournament, and um, I mean my, my prediction going into the game was two one Argentina, and that went completely out of the window. It was far more exciting and far much more happening than just a two one win. So uh, you know lots to lots to talk about. Yeah, I mean World Cup finals in recent years haven't been that that exciting. You know, quite a few one nils, and uh, you know far from a, a free all draw swinging to and from. I mean. Argentina, um, what can we say? I mean, a lot was made about Lionel Messi and, and rightly so, he scored two good goals today. I mean, let's let's just pick it back. I mean, I think we're all still elated. We've got the TV on in the background. Uh, the uh, the backdrop's all gone dark and uh, we'll be seeing the trophy presentation any minute now. But let's just go back to that first goal and uh, the Di Maria penalty, which Lionel Messi dispatched to make it 1-0. Didn't look much like a penalty to me. No, I mean, Messi's got a very interesting way with penalties and it seems to be, um, you know, it didn't, it wasn't, well, I mean, the foul itself wasn't a penalty, really. There wasn't much uh, contact in the box either. So I think Argentina were very lucky to get the penalty there, but Messi definitely has a certain way with the way he puts penalties in the back of the net as well. He does. So cool, calm and collected, isn't he? And yeah, it's just something something very special we're witnessing there. Um, I, so I agree with your thoughts. I don't think it was a penalty. Di Maria went down far too easily for me. I think there was minimal contact, if any, there. But then let's give Di Maria some credit. Not only did he win the penalty, but he then scored or was on the end of what was a fantastic team goal. Lionel Messi playing a, a key role in that goal as well. Martinez unselfishly squared Di Maria to finish off. But for those who haven't seen it, just how good was that team goal? Yeah, I mean, fantastic interplay. Um, you know, it basically just sums up the team that Argentina are. Um, you know, they're great with their interplay, great with Messi making chances throughout the you know throughout the whole game. So, yeah, very well deserved goal um, for Di Maria there. You know, a bit of a shame he actually got subbed off. Because um, I thought he'd be a good addition to the rest of the match, but I think due to injury um, with his hamstrings, he did. You know that was the reason he got subbed off then. But it turns out, you know, they they won the game 
Um, probably not in the way they wanted to win. They probably wanted to win after the 2-0 lead that they had and uh, lift the trophy that way, but what a game. Yeah, it's not the first time Argentina have let a two-goal uh, two lead slide. I mean, earlier in the knockout stages against the Netherlands, of course, they let two goals slide there and uh, they went on to win on penalties. But uh, yeah, the physical aspect of the, the French subs, I mean, Giroud didn't really get in the game in, in the same sort of way he has done in the uh, the latter round. So I think that they made some really good tactical substitutions in the 40th minute there. And um, yeah, it took a while to sort of pay off of them. And I think that when Mbappe scored in the 80th minute, did we really think that there was, um, you know, much of a comeback on? I mean, obviously it was from the penalty spot. Again, quite a soft penalty, potentially more so uh, than the Argentinian one. But yeah, I think that at 2-1, you still sort of thought they were comfortable. But then 90 seconds later, a fantastic goal scored by Mbappe, really. I mean, what a beautiful one too. They played to level the score. I mean, it just all happened so quickly, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, you know, great goal from them. Um, I think it was a big shock, obviously, to see France come back from that 2-0 lead, especially as they went, you know, they got to the 80th minute before they'd even scored. So, um, and before the 80th minute, they looked quite lethargic and tired and, you know, they didn't have much energy about them or, or much go. So, you know, to then come back and to score two goals uh, within, you know, within normal time and, you know, score another goal in extra time, you, you, they they just put on a great show. Definitely. I mean, we talked about the 90 minutes there, but extra time didn't disappoint either, did it? I mean, how many games have we seen where it's sort of become a bit of a, you know, a bit of a fast extra time and you think, come on, just give us the penalties. But this really wasn't one of those at all. I mean, that Lionel Messi goal, it had it all, didn't it? I mean, it was controversial. Did we know if it crossed the line? You know, it looked like the referee initially awarded it. Then was it offside? I mean, fine margins, fine margins indeed. But it was a goal. Um, Hugo Lloris you know, could have done better potentially that first shot, but uh, they parried it right to Messi, who from that range, I mean, he was never going to miss it, was he? And at 3-2, I think we all thought they were going to hang on. Obviously, it wasn't to be the case. I mean, the penalty that France got in the last few minutes of the game, um, again, I don't think that was penalty. I think that happened, you know, I think the fouls happened outside the box. So, if anything, it should have been a free kick. Not taking it away from France, they, you know, they had all the go and they had all of the, you know, uh, charisma that they needed to get through the match and to, you know, put on a good show. But in my opinion, um, that wasn't a penalty at all. And um, it should have been, if anything, it should have been a free kick. Controversy right to the end. We're going to watch Lionel Messi and Argentina lift the trophy one moment, but please do keep listening to the rest of the podcast where we're going to be discussing the whole review of the tournament, including England's performance and also the actual hosting of the World Cup from Qatar as well. We are now going to take you back to the very start of the tournament. And for those who remember, it was Qatar and Ecuador in that opening game. Now, a lot of eyes on this Qatari side, which uh, a lot of people didn't know a lot about. And there was also some interesting stories and conspiracies going around about, you know, potential corruption as well. But it was Ecuador who uh, ran out the winners and made the hosts lose for the first time in the opening game in the history of the World Cup. How much of that game do you remember? 
To be honest with you, it feels like a long time ago. Um, you know, it feels like an awfully long time ago when that first opening World Cup game was played. Now, I do remember, <clears throat> I do remember the the game, and I do remember that um, Valencia actually scored. He scored a penalty, and then he scored later on in the thirty first minute as well. Um, so, you know, good win or great win from Ecuador there to to sort of. Um, ruin the history of the World Cup, I suppose. But, yeah, I mean, what... Qatar seemed like a... You know, they didn't win many of... they were, I don't think they won any of their games, did they? So you can remember the exact minute that Valencia scored a second goal, but not all the results of Qatar's <laughs> performances. No, no. No. I'm Well, firstly, I'm stunned by your incredible memory of that game. For someone who said I didn't remember it too well, that was uh, to remember the exact minute. Do you remember... The exact minute of the penalty? I don't actually know. No, it was 16 minutes in. But, uh, yeah, it was a, yeah, it was a good, obviously it was a good opening game for, from an Victorian point of view. And no, your memory may not serve you uh, correctly on this one, but Qatar failed to pick up a point. The first team to host a World Cup in history to fail, to get out of the group, to fail sorry, not to get out of the group, to fail to win a match in the group and uh, to lose the opening game as well. So, yeah, terrible for the Qatar side. And I think that we're going to come on to this later in the podcast a bit, aren't we? We're going to talk more about Qatar. But, um, yeah, from a footballing perspective, you could definitely uh, definitely say that they didn't deserve to be them. Potentially another team would have been better suited to that. I think so. I mean, the likes of, say, like Italy, who missed out on a place... Um, you know, they could have been serious contenders within that World Cup. And, you know, for them to miss a place and it go to Qatar. Now, you know, um, lots of people have their you know, difference of opinions and that's absolutely fine. Um, people can, you know, have their opinions and say what you want. But, um, you know, for a country like Qatar, who are quite small, for them not to even win a point in their group, I mean, shows that they shouldn't really be in a big tournament like this anyway. No, and then the following day saw the uh, saw the opening game for our two British sides involved in the competition, with England thrashing Iran six goals to two. Now I'm really going to test you: how many of the goal scorers from that opening game can you uh, can you remember? <clears throat> now I do remember that Bellingham scored, uh, Rashford also scored. Um, and Grealish scored. I'm not quite sure on the rest of them. Uh, let's get it up. It's here in front of me. So Saka scored two and Sterling scored one as well. So not not too bad memory. I won't test you on the two Iranian scores. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know them. But I mean, it was a great start for England. Um, you know, the fl- a flight they were flying. Um, you know, had quite a few good games as well. Um, but the start of the game was was a flyer. It was. One of the big moments of that game was the injury to the Iranian goalkeeper um, very early on in that game as well. He, uh, he of course, had a collision with his own player, which saw him sideline then for the rest of the game. Really strange one because I think with all the modern sort of technology and uh, policies in place to try and avoid concussions, I'm really surprised what it actually allowed him to play on, um, albeit not for very long. It was an interesting one there. 
Yeah, it was it was slightly strange actually, you know, to see him carry on. I think he obviously didn't want his World Cup journey to come to an end, and obviously he thought that if he was out, that could be his World Cup sort of journey over and done with, I suppose. Um, which is the reason he didn't want to do it. But you know, it's only right that he got sent off because he was uh, subbed off. Sorry, because he wasn't in the, uh, you know, he wasn't in a fit state to carry on at all. No, and then just really briefly. It wasn't a very memorable tournament for, for Wales. The first World Cup in 56 years ended in disaster for them, finishing bottom of the group. They drew 1-1 with the USA in their opening game. Um, I think that, you know, looking back on it, it was a game of two halves. We got in the notes here and, uh, you know, they probably played, I mean, it was their best result. I mean, it was, it was the only point they got for Wales, the best result of the tournament for them. But, uh, yeah, it all started to sort of, fall apart for them very quickly. We're not going to go for every game. We're not going to be uh, taking up your entire morning, day, evening, whenever you listen to this podcast. But just briefly, um, the following day saw a extremely big shock, even bigger now. We're seeing the Argentinian players lift the trophy here. And that was Saudi Arabia beat them two goals to one from a goal down as well. Unbelievable result. Yeah, I mean, that was obviously a big shock for Argentina to... Um, you know, lose their opening game. And obviously, you know, they have done very well throughout the rest of the tournament and managed to get themselves the, you know, get themselves the World Cup. So, um, you know, it's been a great tournament for them, but shocking first result of their opening game. But the the other team um, I'll quickly, briefly mention as well was uh, Morocco. They had a, a great tournament. It seemed to be that they shocked everyone into, you know, getting very far within the World Cup and, you know, only losing to Croatia in the bronze medal match. Yeah, I mean, I think you've skipped through about 20 games there, but I know you're very excited about this Moroccan side. They did a fantastic job, didn't they? Um, they started as they uh, as they finished as well. So, yeah, no, they, sorry, they started against Belgium, um, which was a, a big win for them, 2-1 against, sorry, 2-0 even, blimey, what am I talking about? Against what was meant to be on paper, one of the teams you'd expect to advance from that game. So, yeah, we'll, we'll come on to Morocco a bit more now. But, yeah, fantastic tournament for them. Also, uh, Australia as well. They they had a they had a good tournament, um, you know, moving, moving on to that as well. You've gone completely off script here. We're skipping so many games ahead, but uh, we'll roll with it. We'll roll with it. It's your podcast. So, yeah, Australia as well. Don't think many people expected them to get through the group. Uh, along with France, it was uh, a, a surprise, a pleasant surprise. I mean, they were the first a Asian side. Appreciate, obviously, for those who know your geography, not located in Asia, but classified as an Asian football side now. Um, they, yeah, in a, in a relatively tricky group for them. They they got through, you know, tough encounters, losing to France in the opening game. I think a lot of people would have ruled them out, but then they managed to beat Tunisia. And also beat Denmark as well in what secured their qualification in second place in that group, only behind France on goal difference. So, well, so we'll get back on track with the games now then. Um, so we also had a big win with Spain and Costa Rica. Spain winning 7-0 in that game. Yeah, the biggest win of the tournament. I think a lot of people started to fancy Spain as potential winners after that game incredible game um, from a Spanish perspective but yeah Costa Rica who would have thought that in the end they were 
extremely close to going through. They did finish bottom of their group on three points, but there was a moment, which we will come on to later in more detail, where it did look like even though they lost their first game 7-0, they were going to go through. So what a World Cup. Plenty of surprises. We're going to move on really fast because we've got so many more to go through. But yeah, what a game. Definitely agree with you. So we also had uh, Brazil, who were, you know, close favourites going into the World Cup. They managed to beat Serbia in their opening game 2-0. And then Port scored a close game as well with Ghana. They, um, you know, they just beat Ghana 3-2. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, there were some very close games at the opening sort of rounds of the World Cup. Yeah, the opening couple games, uh, or sorry, game week, was uh, full of surprises, full of lots of goals in some cases. But here's one game which didn't have many goals, a game which we sat down together and watched and probably regrettably did as well. England versus the USA. Nil-nil, of course. Not too much to remember there. I mean, I know you've got some <laughs> very good memory looking back at the tournament, but I'm guessing that's not one which sticks in the memory. Uh, no, not really. Um, it was. I remember it being a very sort of boring match and... England really did not play very well within that game. Um, you know, to only draw against the USA and not even score a goal or have many attempts on target either is not a good result for England there. And we're going to go back to our winners now because they got their tournament back on track against a strong Mexican side winning 2-0 there. Um, it was a must-win game for them. If they lost that, of course, they would have been out the tournament. So... Very, very important, but they uh, they won that one. And then Poland did them a favour as well on the same day, beating Saudi Arabia 2-0 as well. And then in the first European all-heavyweight clash, Spain and Germany, the following day drew 1-1 to keep Germany's hopes alive after what was an incredibly surprising defeat for them as well. And the Germans now successive World Cup group stage exits. What do you think the future holds for them? Yeah, I mean it's it's obviously quite shocking for uh, for Germany to exit the group stage. Um, you know they seem to be a reasonably strong side. Um, you know, in, in relative terms within football, but it's you know it's shocking for them. I'm not quite sure they don't have that many youngsters coming through. So, you know, I don't feel like they're going to be a team that you know comes out on top that much. Um, but you know, we have to wait and see see what happens. Yeah, they finished their tournament with a, a 4-2 victory over Costa Rica, but it wasn't enough as Japan, all sides, managed to come back from a, a goal down to beat Spain and top the group. I don't think many people predicted that at the start. Japan topping a group with Germany and Spain. No, I mean, Japan, I think, shocked the whole world um, with their football. And obviously, they had they had a great tournament. Um, you know, managed to beat Spain 2-1. Uh, I know there was, I think that was the game where there was a controversial goal that went, that they everyone thought went out. Um, the Japan ball went out. I'm not quite sure. We're going to test your, your memory a little bit more. I think that was the German game, actually, when, when the ball went out. But yeah, they recorded historic 2-1 victories over Japan, uh, sorry, over Spain and Germany. But of course... As this World Cup has been, there's been plenty of surprises and they didn't beat Costa Rica, which really threw the group wide open. Now, they did go through along with Spain, but a team which has beaten those two European giants losing to Costa Rica, 
what a shock. Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a big shock. I, mean, I know that game um, went to penalties, doesn't it? Um, you know, when they when they lost to them. Yeah, so they did. They lost on penalties. In we're going to move on to the knockout rounds now. Once again, going off script. Um, so Croatia knocking them out three one on penalties. And for as as impressive as Japan was was all tournament, those penalties. I mean, they were woeful, absolutely woeful. Um, Croatia. I mean, they did. Uh, you know, did what they needed to do to get through. Um, not not the most eventful game in in the ninety minutes, and certainly not an extra time. But yeah, the Japanese penalties. I think that's the one thing they need to take back next time. They proved on the field they're very good, but not so good from the spot. No, uh, you know some of their penalties were quite shocking, and I think we you know we watched glimpses of that game, and I think there was parts of that where we said, oh, we could shoot penalties better than that. Um, not taking it away from them because obviously they you know they did really well with the tournament, like you rightly pointed out, but. Some of their penalties definitely need work. And then on to the biggest headlines, arguably, of the round of 16. <laughs> Portugal 6, Switzerland 1. Now, that was a massive scoreline and the biggest scoreline out of all of the knockout games. However, that's not what made the headlines. It was the dropping of Ronaldo. Yeah, I think there's been um, some shocks, obviously, with Portugal dropping Ronaldo in, in a few of their games. Um to be to be fair, I think it's the right thing to do. Uh, Ronaldo's attitude doesn't seem to be, you know, um, completely the best at the moment. Whether it's club or country, he seems to be quite arrogant with a lot of things. And also, it paid off because his replacement and remember the name, Gonzalo Ramos, scored a hat trick as well. He did. The youngster coming on top to score a hat trick. I mean, you know, great game for him. Um, and he has a very bright future ahead of him. Yeah, just 21 years of age. And you do feel that if Portugal uh, maybe progressed a bit further in the tournament, he could have been looking at the uh, the young player of the, uh, the tournament award. One other big shock, and this is possibly the biggest shock of the knockout stages, Morocco beating Spain. It was a, a bit of a boring game, actually. We sat down and we watched it and uh, it wasn't very eventful. Um, Spain were the better side, I think, but didn't do enough to deserve to win. But then we talked about the Japanese penalties being poor. Spain became only the second team in history after Switzerland to fail to score a single penalty, going out 3-0. I mean, Spain's penalties are poor, but you can't take it away from the Moroccan keeper, though. Like, he was great You know, when it came to saving the penalties. you know, He saved loads uh, compared to the amount that, that Spain actually you know, got on target. So, you know, for him, it was a great, great part of the match for him as well. Um, so, you know, he did he did amazingly. Yes, Spain's penalties were bad, but it, when it comes to penalty shootout, it's a lot about the keeper. You know, it, it's just the player and the keeper that stands there. And if the keeper comes out on top, then the other team miss out. Exactly, it's a time to be a hero. It's a more enjoyable experience for the goalkeeper than the goal, you know, the penalty takers normally, um, and that was a perfect example of it. I'm just briefly going to look at England as well, just the final one we've we've selected to sort of uh, to recap over beating Senegal three 0 As far as England games go, 
it was a very comfortable performance, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was a it was a comfortable performance from them. Um, that goal from Henderson as well, a very well worked goal, a very well worked team goal from from Anderson. I mean, Henderson, the minute he came on, whether it was from substitute or not. <coughs> sorry. Um, you know, he had a great impact on holding the midfielders together. You know, he he was his great experience and him paired with Jude Bellingham and what a pairing. Yeah, something I think that Liverpool fans are getting excited about with the links of Bellingham potentially coming to their club as well. Um, but yeah, Henderson, I think was the difference. I really do. He had a, a great World Cup. He looked to control the team extremely well when he came on the pitch. And I think Gareth realised that very quickly and uh, yeah, really helped shore up uh, against it. Let's face it, a Senegal side without their star man, Sadio Mane, but still England got the job done very comfortably. Right, so we are now moving on to the quarterfinals. So we're going to have a little look now at all the remaining games. So we're going to go through from one by one, starting with, again, the winners who uh, knocked out the Netherlands on penalties. It was the World Cup of penalties, wasn't it? It was, it was. I mean, Argentina went one on penalties, but they it was the same sort of format as the final of the World Cup. I mean, they went in and had the lead and then lost the lead to the Netherlands and ended go, ended up going to penalties. So um, they seem to be very strong when it comes to penalties. And yeah, a lot of penalty shootouts in, in that round as well. It was, it was. It's been a long World Cup for a lot of these players who had to go through not just normal time, but extra time and often penalties as well. We move then on to the Croatia-Brazil game and it was another one which ended in penalties. 1-1 after normal time, but it was Croatia who prevailed 4-2. And the big story from that one was, and it will be debated, I'm sure, is the order of penalty takers. We've seen in the final the two best penalty takers going first and that wasn't the case with Brazil with Neymar missing out. Yeah, I think we were we were quite surprised um, within that game that we didn't see Neymar take a penalty at all. Now, um, there's obviously a reasoning for that, but their reasoning didn't work uh, when it came against Croatia, who you know gave them um, gave them a good run, and they weren't as Brazil weren't as strong on penalties as I think everyone thought they were going to be. No, well, I think the the argument is that when it gets to the high pressure situation, when it's the make or break penalties, um, they want yeah, you want your best player taking it. But this backfired massively on Brazil, who uh, missed out on him taking a penalty at all. I'm in the camp where I say you put your best penalty taker on first because you want to get them guaranteed a spot kick and you want to get off on the right start. But yeah, it was uh, after he scored in in normal time. It was a bit of a Bit of a disappointment for him in, in what he's potentially claiming is his last World Cup, but we will see. Now, no one really wants to hear about this one, but it was the end of the, the World Cup for England in the quarterfinals, going out 2-1 to France. It was a controversial game, I think to say the least. Um, but I'm of the opinion that if England couldn't score an open play, you know, for... You know, 90 minutes, do they really deserve to go through? I mean, Giroud's, Giroud's goal put uh, put France ahead and then England had a final chance from the spot. 
Harry Kane against his club mate once again after dispatching a penalty earlier in the second half. Skyed it. Yeah, I mean, when it came to that penalty, um, we both said that it shouldn't have been Kane that took the second one. I think uh, when you know you shoot in the goal against your club mate, they know too much about you and the amount of penalties that you take with them. So I think um, it should have been someone else that, that took a penalty for them uh, in order for them to get on top. And then finally, the last one, because I don't think anyone wants to, to dwell on that one too much. It saw the surprise um, surprise package Morocco beat Portugal to send them through and become the first African side to reach the uh, to reach the semi-finals. Yeah, I mean, like I, like I said before, uh, Morocco had a great tournament, and they, you, you know, I think they shocked everyone. That they put in a good show, a lot of good performances, and I do think um, when it did go to extra time, um, they obviously they weren't used to playing that much football, so they were all sort of cramping up and um, you know needing a few extra, a bit of extra treatment, let's say. But fair play to them. I mean. They've made history. They've got very far. So, yeah, you've done well. They've linked the quarterfinals and the semi-finals together, bringing us on nicely then to um, to the other uh, semi-final, Argentina, Croatia. Yeah, I mean, Argentina again showing their world class. You know, they're showing their class as a as a country. Messi with a penalty, and then Alvarez with the two other goals. Um, you know, gave them quite a convincing win over Croatia. You, may, you know, from that point on, you think that Argentina are definitely going to win the World Cup. Yeah, it was a strong Croatian side as well. They're up against, led by Luka Modric, who has done amazing things for club and country in recent times. Of course, Ballon uh, d'Or winner uh, in, in his past, and that's now his third World Cup medal, two bronzes and a silver as well. And that moves us on nicely there. Do you like what I did? <laughs> I do. To our bronze medal match, Croatia beating Morocco two goals to one. And it really was um, a fantastic final World Cup for what has been, an, an, well, Croatia's talisman, an incredible player and uh, world-class Midfielder Luka Modric. Sad for Morocco. Not to. I think it was a, a, a amazing World Cup for them as well. Not to get a medal, but they can hold their heads up high. They did magnificently to uh, to get to that stage, and I think that it's going to inspire a lot of African and Arab people um, to uh, to participate further in football. And also, they have time to you know between the next World Cup, they have time to work on what they. Well, they need to work on and time to improve. And when it comes into the next World Cup, they could be serious contenders. Look, they'll only grow from this. This is great for the country of Morocco. And I said great for the continent of Africa. And also great for the um, the Arab community as well, who sort of saw Morocco as, as their home team after the rest of their uh, um, nations bowed out earlier on. Finally... We have just, obviously, we started the podcast talking about it, but just to recap, Argentina beating France in what was, I think, the game of the World Cup, the best final in my memory. And uh, 
I think in a lot of people's minds, the best the best final in living memory as well. Three all after extra time, Argentina go on to beat France 4-2 on penalties and win the World Cup for the first time since 1986 and led by none other than Lionel Messi. You make comparisons dating to Diego Maradona, of course, sadly it's the first World Cup since his passing in 2020. Today, it's about more than one man now, it's about the whole team and uh, what a result. And I think it just sums it up really that uh, but they managed to uh, manage to come back from going, obviously they had to do goal lead and then coming back from uh, from conceding those two goals, it looked like France were on the, the ascendancy and probably the more likely to score, to go and score themselves. Oh, I'm lost for words, what a match. Yeah, definitely. It, it, you know, great match. And I think as much as it's a very big team game, I think there was uh, one man that had a lot to do with the way the attitude of the players was um, going into the extra time and the penalties because a lot of them would have felt a bit sort of deflated with the fact that France came back and managed to score those two extra goals. And, um, you know, wise words of, of the captain there leading leading Argentina um, obviously said something to them that sparked a bit of momentum within them uh, and managed to get them on top. Definitely. Well, that is our review of the uh, 2022 FIFA World Cup. We are now going to have a little brief interlude and then we're going to come back and we're just going to discuss a few uh, few extra bonus aspects of the tournament as well as looking at how Qatar were as hosts. So we'll just go on to say a bit about how uh, Qatar were as hosts for the World Cup. And um, I think going into the World Cup, there was a lot of things that Qatar were, you know, a lot, a lot of people saying that Qatar could be quite corrupt. And, you know, a few of the, the VAR sort of decisions went Qatar's way, even though they shouldn't have. And maybe it was corruption. Maybe it was just they got it wrong on the day. They are only human at the end of the day. So people get things wrong. But um, I do think there was a lot of... It inspired a lot of people to to get there, and especially a lot of women as well. I think they they made a big thing of, um, you know, showing a lot of women within the stadiums as well. Because I know there was a lot of rules on that. Well, I think, for, in fairness, I think that they were probably fair. Um, to I don't think there's any bias towards the Qatar national side, but I do think that. There was a, a lot of issues. I mean, we can't ignore the fact about the migrant workers um, and the reported figures are just staggering. Um, one migrant worker dying is, is far too many, let alone you know the hundreds or potentially thousands which are being reported. There are lots of different you know uh, different numbers being reported there. So um, I, I don't think we can begin to sort of explain that right now. It's just just awful. Um, but one thing that we, we can talk about is women's rights. And like I said, you're, you're spot on. There was a lot of women tried to be shown in the ground, whether or not they were trying to overcompensate for that. Because I know that lots of people did feel unsafe going there. And but the stats show that the, 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 um, the uh, attendance was actually higher than the stadium. So I don't quite know what was going on there. But I definitely think that whilst it was a fantastic tournament and our World Cup as a whole, Qatar was the wrong decision and I think that I hope that anyway we don't see any nation like this hosting again in our lifetimes and I hope that 
moving forwards, FIFA will learn from this and will start to stab out corruption. Yeah, no, totally. Um, you know, I, I think that Qatar was a very interesting choice uh, to hold the World Cup. And um, as much as it's good for a small country like that to hold the World Cup, uh, I don't think Qatar were the right choice in this instance. But, you know, um, we'll live and, you know, FIFA will live and learn from that. And, you know, who knows where the next World Cup is going to be. We do. The world, next World Cup is going to be the combined efforts of the United States, Canada and Mexico. And that is going to be the biggest World Cup with an increased amount of teams in it as well. Um, I think that it's going to break all records in terms of attendance. It's going to be it's going to be an interesting one. I, I can't imagine it being, um, I mean, a worse choice than Qatar. I mean, you're going from one of the, the smallest hosts of the World Cup, which was, you know, being hosted in one city. To a you know to a World Cup which is going to be hosted in three huge countries, predominantly in the USA, but also in Mexico and Canada too. I hope that that is going to be a better choice, and I can only imagine that it will be. With well, I'm going to call it football, but they will call it soccer, ever growing out there as well. With the United States reaching the knockout stages, a bit more disappointing for Canada and Mexico, but not getting out of the group. But they've got time to grow now. They'll have time to improve, and especially Canada, a young side, one which is looking like it might improve as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I think that's a much more positive choice of host for the World Cup there. But um, we'll move on slightly to the news that came out today with Southgate remaining in his job for England as well. What are your thoughts on that? I personally think it's the wrong decision for England. Gareth Southgate, results-wise, he's done a fantastic job. And from all reports, he's got a very good club uh, atmosphere in in the side as well, which I think is really important. But he's got a very talented group of young players. He's got a very talented um, load of experienced players in that squad as well. And I think tactically, he's not made the best use of them. We've seen it with too many poor results now. And I think that this really cements it for me, going out in the quarterfinals, against the first sort of what you would call big side is, isn't is good enough. And I think that it's time for a change. The FA will obviously have given it a lot of thought. And with his uh, results after the Euros, obviously going out to Italy in the finals, he's bought himself some more time. But, but I do think it's starting to tail off now and some fresh blood in there would do England the world of good. Yeah, I think they need someone to sort of spur them on. Um, when England play, there's a lot of playing from the back and not much going forward, not much urgency about them. So they do need someone who has a different vision on the way they play. Um, but, you know, let's hope that Southgate can do a bit more. He's got another couple of years in charge now. Um, so let's hope he can lead us to some success. Let's hope so. And I just want to finish off by saying, although it might not have inspired um, the Arab world quite in the same way with their sort of poor performance of their, the host nation, if even uh, even if it didn't need to be, I think the South American world in Argentina especially has been re-energised and I don't doubt that they'll keep continue to grow. And also with Brazil as well, they're going to be hunting with Argentina closing them down now with three World Cups now. Brazil will need to try and see if they can get that sixth elusive title. So, yes, an exciting time. And I don't doubt that going forward to 2026, European sides are going to come back 
even stronger with the continued growth in their club system as well and academies. And of course, now we've got the added bonus of some African sides coming through as well. And who knows, on home soil, could the North Americans put in a threat as well? It, time will tell. It's a very exciting time for football. It's been a very exciting World Cup as far as on the field is concerned. And it's been a very controversial one off the field. Definitely. Um, definitely one that's going to be remembered and um, definitely one that Argentina are going to remember as well. Um, you know, they go down in the books and I'm sure, you know, thoughts on whether Messi's going to continue internationally or not. Um, you know, people aren't as sure, but I think after winning the World Cup, he's done what he needs to do now. So is there any reason for him to stay internationally? Well, he's confirmed this was his last World Cup. Whether or not we see him again in an Argentina shirt is yet to be seen. I've got one question for you. I just want a yes or no answer. Is now is Lionel Messi now the best player of all time? Yes. Thank you. And with that, we will be back in a slightly new format moving forward. But thank you very much for tuning in today. And thank you... Um, for your patience as well, because I appreciate it's been a little while since our last podcast, but like I said, no doubt we will be back with some exciting news. Just uh, one last thing I will add as well. Um, just be sure to follow us on our social media pages, um, Facebook and Instagram. Um, you know, your, all the videos and latest sort of news will be posted on there as well. So just be sure to follow them just so you can keep updated with all the regular stuff. And just remind everyone, where can they find them? Where can you find your social media pages? Uh, at, at the All Round Sports Podcast. Uh, on both Facebook and Instagram. Thank you. I know it's been a while, blimey. So thank you very much. We've been your hosts, Tom and Jem. Really appreciate you tuning in. And uh, yeah, what on this historic night, it's Argentina's day.